At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA. Welcome back, love it or leave it live audience. You say you've got your vaccine, now it's high time to go out and play. You cry, no fear that a mask I must wear, so conspiracy theorists don't die. But come on, they're safety precautions, so you can see love it on stage. Now didn't you miss John? Remember, despite a pandemic, shows go on. Welcome back. Here to laugh It's been quite a long year and a half Welcome back COVID's hell We've been stressed that these tickets won't sell Zoom will glitch Jokes won't flow Live's the only way we're choosing to go Here we are Live or else Unless Anthony Fauci thinks we're a danger to public health. Da 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 Welcome back. It's Thursday. I've got some news for you, and yes, it's gay. Spin the wheel. What a week. Sorry that the news has been so bleak. Tell your friends, like or a glass of Jura and invite So sit back, enjoy the ride We're live or else I guess we'll see you on the other side Da 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 Look at all of you. <laughs> Where the fuck have you been? Welcome. Thank you so much to Rory O'Malley for doing that incredible song. That was amazing. If you have, if you're listening to this and you have a live or else theme, send it to us at leaveit at crooked.com. Before we get started, I just want to say a happy Bi Visibility Day if you're observing straight girls who want retweets. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> On this week's show, we've got Kylie Brakeman. Emily Heller is here, and she promises that the Garden Show is behind us. You lucky listen. You. She heard that. Now I'm embarrassed. <laughs> You lucky listeners at home get to hear a conversation I had with Congressman Adam Schiff in studio, and we close it all out with the return of the rant wheel. But first, let's get into it. What a week. Oh, it's nice to hear that bell. I want to start with, the, I think, one of the most important stories of the week, which is the news that uh, the Fantastic Beasts movie... Uh, has been named, and it's called The Secrets of Dumbledore. <laughs> and I, look, here's the thing. We don't just cover the news. We break news here. And we did do some reporting, and we've uncovered some of the secrets. <laughs> These are spoilers. <laughs> uh, Dumbledore likes to use his wand and have wands used on him. <laughs> and that's the, they go, we're not, we're not going up from here. <laughs> Here's a secret. His favorite fantastic beast is an otter named Brandon. (laughs) Dumbledore developed a spell using dark magic, which is the infamous Popper's incantation, (laughs) Orificium Libertatus. Uh, I just want you all to know that I I did go to Google Translate, and that is the Latin for orifice freedom. (laughs) Orificium... Libertatus. It also uh, cleans your VCR. (laughs) Very specific. (laughs) Dumbledore and Dobby hooked up, which was, I mean, you can judge it, but Grindelwald and Dumbledore were open at the time, so it's fine. Uh, Dumbledore has an STD. Hogwarts. (laughs) That was the hardest one to say. That was the hardest one to say. And finally, big James Corden fan. I don't even understand why that's a big deal. In a speech before the UN General Assembly, President Biden promoted cooperation in tackling COVID-19, denounced authoritarian governments, but said the U.S. isn't looking for a new Cold War. I think we still have the antibodies from the first Cold War, but no one's sure how long they're supposed to last. (laughs) Meanwhile, still kind of an aside, that one. (laughs) Meanwhile, Brazilian President Bolsonaro defended pushing unproven, off-label COVID treatments while refusing to be vaccinated, declaring history and science will hold everyone accountable. That's sort of the saying, though. You know, history is written by the intensive care nurses when they get back from crying in their cars. Bolsonaro is an expert in surviving COVID. He does it once a week. (laughs) You should listen to him. According to Bob Woodward and Robert Costa's book, Peril, conservative lawyer and guy who cheats at settlers of Catan cities and nights by taking advantage that some of the off-white and white pieces look alike. Very specific. Very specific. John Eastman, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Why are the fucking, why are they off-white on one side and white on the other side? What is that choice? Let's make the show about that. Anyway, this conservative lawyer, John Eastman, sent a memo to Vice President Pence laying out a six-step plan that Pence could use to overturn the election and install Donald Trump despite losing. Here's the thing, all right? Pence rejects a six-step plan. Everybody calls him a hero. Rudy Giuliani rejects a 12-step plan, and everybody makes fun of him. (laughs) Makes you think. Speaking of America's mayor, on Tuesday, Rudy tweeted a photo of towels along with the text... 
and he tweeted and he said, go to MyPillow.com for great products. Don't forget to use the promo code Rudy for extra savings. I've sobbed into other towels late at night because I don't break down often, but once the tears start, they just don't stop. They just don't stop, and neither do MyPillow brand towels. Here's the thing, jokes aside, Rudy goes through towels. He is a monsoon of hair dye and exploding pens and scotch on the bathroom floor and every possible bodily fluid. The man knows towels. We also learned this week that Google is spending $2.1 billion on a new office complex in New York City. It's a beautiful two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath on the Upper West Side. The house passed a budget bill that would extend spending through December 23rd and suspend the debt limit till 2022, but Republicans in the Senate have vowed to block it, potentially causing a global economic catastrophe because even though they know we need to raise it and they know it's a pointless self-destruct button at the heart of our economy, they still manage to treat it like it's a ransom because they know that Democrats are fundamentally responsible. And then you end up with headlines. This is a real headline. Democrats and Republicans head for showdown on U.S. debt limit. That's real. That is from a wire service. But that only describes reality if you'd also describe the scene in Contact where Jake Busey blows up the machine as a showdown over space policy. <laughs> what do you mean you built a second one? Unrelated. Senator Susan Collins, a passenger on the Titanic who demanded her boat leave early and then was angry about the screaming, <laughs> said she would oppose supporting Senate Democrats' bill to legalize abortion nationwide uh, despite her support of abortion rights because she found language in other parts of the bill to go too far. But it's not even clear there are 50 votes because of uh, anti-choice Democrats like Bob Casey and Joe Manchin. And right now, reminder, you'd still need 60. But have no fear. In response to the Texas restrictive law, OkCupid now allows users to add a pro-choice badge to their profile. You hear that, Texas? You may ban abortions, but you can't ban empty gestures. They're also thinking about adding a badge for people who are anti-choice but still weird about condoms. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> the, the Supreme Court set a December date uh, to hear a case that challenges the constitutionality of Mississippi's 15-week abortion ban, and by extension, all states' pre-viability abortion laws. Not much of a silver lining, but at least the December court date means abortion clinics can still hold their annual Black Friday sales. Let me sit down. Let me just sit down. It was a hard one to do. It was a hard one to do. The news hasn't gotten that much better since the last time I saw you. It's gotten a lot better in some ways. Still bad in a lot of other ways. Meanwhile, Hunter Biden has an upcoming solo art show at a Soho art gallery in New York, and it's raising all sorts of ethical issues from the politics of international art sales to influence peddling to a, a, an important question, which is, what if Hunter Biden is an actually good artist. <laughs> so here's, this is an actual Hunter Biden. It's, there's another, one more. Here's the issue. These have some like genuine pathos. <laughs> what do we do then? What do we do if he's a good artist? <laughs> His gallerist, Hunter Biden's gallerist, <laughs> what a timeline, said he anticipates the Biden art pieces will go for as much as $500,000 a piece. And while that seems like a lot, 
Banksy is auctioning a piece of drywall that says government is bad for $10 million, and Jeff Koons gets like $90 million for balloon animals in the lobby of the Borgata. So maybe it makes sense. Anyway. <laughs> Hunter's art isn't bad, but I do wish he'd do more at the kind of on the borders, like father, like son. What the fuck was that? That gets an ooh? I said there was a Black Friday sale on abortion. This week, disgraced former General Michael Flynn said during an interview that he had heard a rumor that the government might be hiding COVID vaccines inside salad dressing. You know, somebody sent me a thing this morning where they're talking about putting the vaccine into salad dressing or salads. Have you seen this? Yes. Have you seen this? I mean, it's, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, this is the bizarre world, right? This is definitely the bizarre world. Yeah, that's what makes this world so bizarre. Not the fact that that was the national security advisor. Pretty sure salad dressing isn't the best way to reach anti-vax Trump supporters. Hey, Mike Flynn, is that ranch in your pocket or are you just trying to vaccinate me? No idea what that means. Ben and Jerry's unveiled a new flavor, Changes Brewing, in honor of Cori Bush's proposed People's Response Act, which would fund non-police responders, handle mental health crises, and other non-violent issues, which uh, should make up for last year's ill-advised flavor, Blueberry Lives Matter. <laughs> you know what? I seem like I'm begrudging the ooze, but they're the kind of feedback I was missing. <laughs> a few more months of doing this in my house, I'd be like a full edgelord, you know what I mean? <laughs> just to feel something. <laughs> and finally, while attending the San Sebastian Film Festival, Johnny Depp recently said of cancel culture, no one is safe, not even you. But in fairness to Depp, he was at dinner with Woody Allen and that woman who drove her car through a lemonade stand because those kids didn't have a permit. <laughs> when we come back, we have more show. We have just a lot more show. <laughs> now we're in a break. It's so fun to have a fake break again where I can talk to all of you. None of this. This is just for us. Unless I say something accidentally great and then we put it in the show. And we're back. Look, I know we just had a lot of fun with those incredibly well-written jokes. But I want to talk about something serious. The difference between the bipartisan infrastructure bill and the partisan reconciliation bill. I know. It's dry and extremely convoluted, but I've also prepared a ton of graphs. Oh, no. What? Wait a second. Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema <laughs> crashing the show. What's going on? What are you doing here? Apparently, this whole venue was booked, but I told them, John Lovett won't turn down a little vino. I've got a wine club now. Oh, no. It's Kirsten Cinema's wine club. I forgot. I forgot that you took a paid internship at an actual winery, and it wasn't even in Arizona. It was in California. It's true. It's true. And I did it because it's a vibe, John. It's a vibe. 
I know what you're thinking. Oh, I didn't even know that wineries had paid internships. I didn't even know that a sitting senator could take a job outside of their state. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things you don't know. Apparently. <laughs> there's a lot of things you don't know. It's vexing, John. Yeah, Isn't it vexing? It's a little bit vexing. Isn't it confusing? It, you're a little bit confusing to uh, a lot of us. It's a vibe, that's all I can say. That's what we're doing here. All right, well, I guess if you did do that internship at a winery... And, and I did. Even though you were a sitting senator. Oh, and I was. <laughs> you seem to have brought a couple bottles of wine. I guess you could tell me about them. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. So uh, this first wine that we have here... <laughs> let me see if I can uncork it. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> so this is a lovely Chablis... It's a dry and floral white blend, and it ends with a clean finish that says, what is insulin? I don't need it, and I don't need to know how much it costs. Wait a second. Wait a second, Senator Cinema. Come on, there's no way this wine is... Hold on. There's no way this wine is going to distract me from the fact that you're refusing support to support the plan to lower prescription drug prices, even though you campaigned on cheaper prescriptions. Oh, come on, John. That's not the vibe. It's not the vibe? That's not the vibe that I came here to promote. Oh. Listen, yes, I did promise my constituents lower prescription drug prices. Yes, I personally fought on the bill to make that happen. And yes, I'm no longer feeling it anymore. Well, that kind of stinks. Oh, come on, say la vie, John, as the French say. And you know what that means in English. Yeah, yeah, it means... It means uh, that's the vibe. <laughs> I don't think it means... I don't think Salem. No, I don't think it means on. that's you the vibe. It. You I'm know gonna, it. I'm gonna need another kind of wine to get through this. I don't know that I can get. Hold on. Well, I'm so glad you asked. I wasn't fully expecting this to be real wine. <laughs> so I would have poured a little differently had I known. So this next wine, yep. and this is real. This is what it says. <laughs> is a Blues Brothers 40th anniversary red blend. <laughs> well, only the best. <laughs> only the they best. They say the best wine is uh, branded on anniversaries of films from the 70s. <laughs> that's it how is. you know it's a great wine. And that's what I learned in Sonoma in my paid mm -hmm. internship. Your paid internship. <laughs> in my paid internship. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing about this wine... I can't fully remember, but... <laughs> what, oh, do you think but, it's a bold, bright? Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> because the thing about the Blues Brothers 40th anniversary red blend <laughs> is that it's a bold, bright uh -huh. red blend mm -hmm. that's not afraid to stand on its own. It's mm -hmm. not afraid to take up space and uh -huh. say, I don't want a $15 minimum wage. Wait no, a second. That is not... <laughs> Boo her for that. That was ridiculous what she did. Oh, come on. That's not the Blues Brothers wine voting against the minimum wage. I'm pretty sure that's you. Oh, no. Swish it around again. Okay, okay. Try it again. This is fun, little wine tasting. Mm. That is good. That is good. Do uh, you taste it? Do I taste the... You don't want to give workers wages anymore, do you? I'm a little bit confused. It's the tenants. <laughs> 
is that it is. The tannins are making me oppose a living wage. What if she's right? But I will say, like, I am getting hints of cherry as well. God damn it, let's stay focused. You take hundreds of thousands of dollars from industry lobbyists, including pharma. What are you doing when you take that money and then vote against the priorities of the people in your state? I'll tell you with an acronym. V-I-B-E, John, it's a vibe! <laughs> it's, a it's a vibe! <laughs> listen, listen, yes, I take all that money, but just think of those donations mm -hmm. as thousands of paid internships. <laughs> I'm a college student, John. What? I'm a college student. <laughs> You're not. What's I'm happening? Sure I'm just trying to get a leg up in the wine industry. <laughs> Is that... <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, time for a Kirsten pivot. Oh, in my God. In the earth, in the ground, mm -hmm. we cultivate uh, different varietals of wine, right? Different brands, let's say. And as a senator, I cultivate my brand in the putrid soil of the broken American political system. Now, come on. I, I, okay. Well, um, all right. Let's toast to that, I suppose. I, I just, I don't understand it because, okay, Joe Manchin, He's from a very conservative state. But you're from Arizona, a state Biden won. Your colleague, Senator Mark Kelly, he's not pulling any of this shit. And he's been to space. How on earth is stopping these popular policies, independents, and even Republicans like? How does that help you? Why do you like the fact that McConnell said you personally would help protect tax breaks for rich people and corporations? Why do you love the fucking filibuster? What drives you? What is your game? You want to know what my game is? I want to know what your game is. It's a crazy game of politics twister, and we're playing it right now, John. Oh, my God. We're playing the game right we're now. We're playing it right now, and let me tell you what. There are no winners. We're only drunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. I will say, this is... um. Yeah, how is the wine? It's delicious. Exactly. Well, that's good. Let's do one more wine. One uh, thing I like about this is I like how you mix it with the wine we were already drinking. I think that's so bold. I think it is bold. That's something they don't teach you <laughs> at the unpaid internships. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so this is a Heredad Shavari uh, 2020 Albarino. Okay. What about it? <laughs> what about Tell me about the wine. This is the wine Oh, you have to pour it first because if you remember, you're going to tell me something as I'm taking a sip of it. Remember? Oh, yes, I'm going to remember as soon here, as you take a sip here of it. Here's, here's what's going to happen. Is here's the thing. We've had here, you more wine you than I thought. <laughs> um, so wait, why don't you tell me about this wine? Well, I'll tell you. Take a sip and remember that while you're sipping, in the year 2000, I worked for Ralph Nader. <laughs> what? Kirsten Cinema. What is your problem? Get off of this stage I'm with this wine. I'm the bisexual John McCain, everybody. <laughs> everybody, give it up for Senator oh. Kirsten Cinema, the bisexual John McCain. Kylie Brakeman, everybody. That was amazing. I, too, am surprised by how real the wine was. <laughs> These are the most ridiculous brands of wine. This just has a picture of David Niven on it. Where, did you go to the wax museum? Where did you get these? <laughs> so look, this is our first show from an audience, and I obviously I, I want to check in to see how we're doing. So we have our audience correspondent, Brian Semmel, out mm. in the crowd. Can you please just go see? Let's check in yeah, with somebody yeah, in the course. crowd. Would anybody like to uh, kind of give us an yeah. update about how it feels hey. to be back in yeah. the live show experience? Um, I'm really excited to be at this show. Like, I didn't feel like 
the world existed. Right. Do you think okay, you could so you show seem like, your excitement at all? <laughs> you seem, wait, what's your... Wait, let me, let, it, it's a podcast. I'm taking control. What's your name? Anne. Anne. And just wait for a question, and then I think, like, start responding from there. Okay. Was it Anne or Annie? Just Anne. Please. Just Please. What? Just Anne. Just Anne. It's just Anne. It's just Anne. Please. Anne. Not, Not Annie. Annie. Go to somebody else. Go to somebody else. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Darcy. She's wearing merch. Oh, great. I'm wearing Let's Get Into It. Let's Get Into It. I mean, what a week. Darcy, where are you from? Um, I live in Burbank. I'm originally from Florida, 20 years in D.C. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I froze up. That's not on you. <laughs> Sorry. But I still want to go to somebody else. All right, fair enough. I don't think we had the good enough chemistry to keep it going. I don't mean it. Go back to Darcy. That was mean. That was mean. Back to Darcy. Back to Darcy. Darcy, are you okay? I'm good. I'm going to be next week here with oh. a bunch of volunteer leads uh, oh. from Adopt a State. Yes. Vote Save America. Woohoo! That's great. That's great. I'm glad we came back. You're bringing a bunch of people who volunteered to be part of Adopt a State. That's yep. awesome. Darcy, yes. thank you so much. Yes, thanks. I was one of the leads on Team Wisconsin. Team Wisconsin. Woo! That was. Was that, was that Tommy's state? Did, was Tommy uh, our crooked captain for Wisconsin? Uh, uh, yes, but I think Priyanka did way more. Wow. Wow. Oh. Shots fired. Leave it all in. <laughs> Thank you, Kylie Brakeman, for joining us. When we come back, Congressman Adam Schiff. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something I need to get off my chest? What is your outlet for working through the things that stress you out? Oh, man. You know, I don't know. Pushing it down. <laughs> Pushing it all the way down. Getting it real down deep in there. Squish it. Squishing it. Squishing it real tight. Fighting through it. <laughs> Gotta fight through it. Skinny jeans are for dads. Fight it. You fight it. You push it down. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. <laughs> when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Not me. Not me. I'm running on rails. <laughs> Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Uh, I said to my therapist just yesterday, I just feel like I don't have the, the, the attention span right now to focus on some of these longer term issues. And she's mm. like, you found a way to say that every session for the past five years. <laughs> If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Everybody needs therapy. You need therapy. I need therapy. Tommy needs therapy. Mm. We all need therapy. Mm -hmm. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love it. And we're back. He is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee and the representative of California's 28th district, my congressman. Please welcome Adam Schiff. Good to see you. Great to be with you. Uh, I also want I have, we have a lot to cover here. All right. Uh, we have new reporting on the ways in which the Trump administration was trying to undermine democracy. I want to talk to you about the bill you've just introduced to try to limit abuses of power by the president. And I have some questions about veganism uh, <laughs> at the end. Let's start with this memo. So a memo from a right wing lawyer, John Eastman, uncovered by Robert Costa and Bob Woodward of The Post, basically outlines how to end democracy in six easy steps. It walks through what Vice President Pence could have done to lead a coup on behalf of Donald Trump. And based on a lot of reporting, it seems like Pence was really struggling with what to do. 
which is despicable. One uh, claim the memo seems to make more broadly is that Mike Pence was a single point of failure in the system. Do you agree with that supposition by this right-wing lawyer? Well, I do agree that that was certainly very possible, uh, that Mike Pence, if he had decided that he was not going to recognize a set of electors from a state because the president was urging him not to uh, and wanted to uh, concoct a reason why uh, he could do that, then who knows where that would have led to. So that was a great vulnerability in our system. Uh, I don't know that I would say it's the only point of vulnerability, though. Uh, and what we're seeing around the country with these laws that Republicans are passing are creating new vulnerabilities where state elections officials uh, are being deprived of their power, independent elections officials, and it's be being given to partisan bodies so that they can overturn the results of an election in their state. Uh, if that were to happen, it would cause a new crisis when it got to Congress in the joint session. So we've learned about a lot of vulnerabilities in our system that we didn't appreciate uh, until recently. And I, and I do think this ties into the bill you've introduced today, because you know one aspect of the memo and this larger effort on the part of the right that I find particularly chilling is how it is couched in the language of the law and of civility and respectability. There's this point that the memo makes that even the left would view some of these claims as non-justiciable, which means that they wouldn't be able to be uh, resolved by the courts, which would mean the power grab would succeed. As you were thinking about this bill that you've introduced today, how do you think about how to limit abuses of power absent a culture in the White House and the broader right-wing movement that respects traditional norms, that respects traditional political pressure? Like Fundamentally, how did you think about that as you were working on this? Well, that really goes right to the heart of the motivation behind this package of reforms. Uh, and that is that we, we thought certain norms were inviolate, that no president would go there because none had gone there in the past. Uh, and it turns out that you can break all these rules with near impunity if one condition is present, and that condition is that the party of the president is willing to go along with him, uh, even to the prejudice of their own institution, our democracy, their oath of office, uh, if nothing matters to them as much as maintaining their position or power. Uh, these new provisions in the Protecting Our Democracy Act are designed really regardless of uh, you know, which party is in power, to strengthen the tools that uh, Congress has, that the American people have, to keep our democracy together. So it would curb the abuse of presidential pardons. It would toll the statute of limitation on presidential crimes so that no one could outrun the statute by staying in office. Uh, it would give Congress a mechanism to enforce the emoluments clause so they can't enrich themselves. Uh, it would protect inspector generals and it would protect whistleblowers uh, and a whole host of other things that were norms that we would put into law. Now, as you point out, even that is not a perfect answer if people are not willing to observe the spirit of the law uh, as well as the letter of the law. Uh, and the particular problem that you point out with this uh, awful memo uh, is something that, that I hope to address wearing a different hat in Congress, and that is as a member of the January 6th Select Committee, because we will be making recommendations on how to deal with the, the entire scope of threats that manifest itself on January 6th. Can you talk a little bit about what abuses specifically this would have, uh, if not prevented, exposed sooner or made more difficult for the White House to achieve uh, without raising some alarms? Well, for example, you might recall when uh, Kellyanne Conway violated the Hatch Act and the special prosecutor, not Mueller, but the special prosecutor, assigned to look into Hatch Act violations, uh, recommended that because it was such a blatant uh, violation that she be fired. 
Uh, of course, President Trump didn't fire her. And her reaction was blah, blah, blah. I don't care. What are you going to do about it? Uh, similarly, when the uh, White House had the Republican convention on White House grounds uh, and again violated the Hatch Act, there was no repercussion. Well, we have stiffened the penalties under the Hatch Act uh, so that people like Kellyanne Conway would react more with, than, with a blah, blah, blah if they thought there were serious repercussions. Um, and in so many other ways, uh, we have acted to be able to enforce these protections. Uh, and uh, we have also expressed the sense of Congress. A president can pardon themselves. Uh, we have uh, uh, provided for expedited enforcement of congressional subpoenas and provided that we can fine individual agency people who refuse to provide testimony and documents. Uh, so it would address any number of the abuses we've seen. Yeah, I remember there was a Hatch Act violation and there was a fine handed out and it was such a meager fine that it didn't read like a punishment for the Hatch Act violation. It, it looked like a Hatch violation fee, like you can just simply pay this small fee in order to break the law and use the White House for political purposes. As you said at the outset, there is a giant loophole for all of this if the president's party is in control of at least one House of Congress that prevents impeachment. That is the ultimate check. Have you thought at all about ways in which we can rein in presidential authority simply by means of oversight if we have one branch of government, if we have the ability to get information or records or if there's regular disclosures associated with some of these reforms? Uh, yes. And, you know, if, if the president is controlling both houses, then you're really out of luck if you've got a despot in the Oval Office. Yeah. Uh, but if at least one branch is in the hands of the other party, uh, this package of reforms would, for example, allow that committee chair or subcommittee chair to enforce subpoenas, to get information, to make public and transparent and expose corruption in the administration, which can be obviously very powerful and salutary. Uh, it would allow one branch of government to enforce the emoluments clause. So go after a president who is, uh, through his businesses, enriching himself by, you know, Gulf nations uh, renting hotel rooms they don't even use as a way of potentially currying favor with the with the president. So it does provide for exactly the kind of situation we faced over the last four years. What kind of uh, subpoena enforcement are we talking about? Well, the principal challenge we've had, frankly, is that the last administration, which decided to stonewall all subpoenas, could simply play rope-a-dope in the courts endlessly and did. And we went up to the Supreme Court and had to come back down and go back up to the Supreme Court again. Uh, and what this bill would do is say we could go directly to a three-judge court uh, and we could go directly from that three-judge court to the Supreme Court. Uh, and it requires the courts to act with expedition. Uh, but it also provides that in certain cases, we can fine uh, those who refuse to comply and the agencies cannot defer the costs. So it would come from them personally. Uh, and if people have a financial stake themselves, uh, that could make a big difference. And, and finally, because the Justice Department is no longer run by a crony like Bill Barr, the president, um, it's also possible that the Justice Department would enforce a criminal contempt against those who flout our subpoenas. Yeah, as an Article One person, I just, look, I, you know, we need a, a room with a lock deep within the Capitol uh, where we can bring, I'm just kidding. Uh, it seems like an effort to rein in the power of the current president might be something that Republicans in Congress would be interested in. Is there any hope 
of this bill getting through, or do they view this as a move against the the previous occupant exclusively? Well, you know, I think uh, undoubtedly some of the Republicans are going to be too afraid to support these reforms, even though they've supported many of them in the past, uh, because they don't want to be perceived as criticizing uh, the former president. But others, I think, will recognize they don't want a president of either party to do again what Donald Trump did. Uh, even if they can't make it that explicit. Uh, And they may feel like they want some of these tools with respect to a Democratic administration. So there there are a lot of reasons for the Republicans to get on board, but it will probably depend on the fear factor, how much they live in dread that the former president will, if not tweet against them because he can't tweet at the moment, uh, issue a statement or rile up his base or generate a primary opponent. The former president was very good at using retribution and was incredibly vindictive that way, and it was effective. But I would hope that the Republicans, uh, as we see the former administration recede into the background, recognize the importance of these reforms, regardless of who the occupant of the Oval Office is. Have you uh, broken your veganism lately? Uh, Yes, truth be told, um, I have. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? What have we done? Oh, you know, do I really need to confess? Yes. Okay. That's that's what this is. That's why you come here. (laughs) All right. Well, I I need to unburden myself. I was at a function recently and they were passing around shrimp. And that's a real weakness of mine. And I did succumb. You had a shrimp. That's what we're talking about here. How many shrimp are we talking about? I did. Uh, Just one. But, you know, it's it's you had one shrimp. It's it's a precursor to further violations of the the rules Mm -hmm. of veganism. So I'm on a slippery slope. I have to confess I had a shrimp. Any new vegan fast food items that you've had? Any new vegan recommendations? Well, um, I did a whole Instagram video on making vegan matzo ball soup. Let me tell you, if I can do that, anybody can do it. And it tasted pretty darn good. It came out well. Vegan matzo ball soup. I've never had that. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's great. Just after the high holy days. Wasn't exactly like grandma used to make, but it was still pretty good. Uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, Chairman Adam Schiff, thank you so much for being here. And uh, Happy New Year. Thank you. And to you, too. Thank you, Congressman Adam Schiff, for joining us. When we come back, Emily Heller is here. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Shop our biggest selection of hot buys, cool deals, or shop limited-time savings on new summer spaces. Plus, get 72-month special financing on select in-store mattress purchases made with your Ashley Advantage Synchrony credit card between May 14th and June 3rd. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required, no minimum purchase required. See store for details. And we're back. Before we get to the next segment, a few quick notes. Love it or leave it, Live or Else is back with weekly shows here at Cine Lounge Outdoors in Hollywood through November 4th. And for the September 30th show, we'll be joined on stage by BJ Novak and Ashley Ray. And we have our big show in NYC at The Beacon on November 12th. That is now mostly sold out, so get those tickets. Crooked.com slash events. And one more thing. We have Darcy, who's done a great job volunteering. September is National Voter Registration Month, and Vote Save America is working to raise $1.5 million through our No Off Years Fund for voter registration in Arizona, Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Wisconsin, places where reaching new voters will help make the difference next year. This is a type of work where there just isn't enough time in the final weeks before the election. 
when the money starts pouring in, so we need to do it now. So we're trying to start off strong and trying to reach $300,000 by the end of September. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash donate to learn more. Okay, so the documentary Lula Rich on Amazon tracks the rise and like not the fall since it's still like technically operating, but uh, the disgrace of a clothing company and multi-level marketing scam LulaRoe. It's got everything. Girl bosses, whiteness, money, siblings marrying each other, leggings that ruin lives. <laughs> this pyramid scheme has it all, and here to discuss it is your friend and mine, returning champion, Emily Heller. Hi. Hi. Okay, um, so... I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. You, you Everyone, seem to be holding a potted plant. Everybody calm down. We're not doing the garden show. I recognize that it was wrong of me to try and push you to do a segment about gardening when you aren't a gardener. Mm -hmm. What I should have been doing is pushing you to become a gardener first. Oh, wow. Okay. So... What do we have here? I brought you a beautiful artichoke plant that I started from seed. Whoa. This baby's ready to be transplanted. And then I also brought you a bag of worms so you can start your own compost pile. It's um, a real bag of worms. Ew. And then the water's for me. <laughs> Are you going to transplant it? Worms? <laughs> yeah, you, they, they eat your trash and then they, you turn their shit into food for the plant. Here's the thing. So the beauty of the rainbow flag is that it captures <laughs> all the different kinds of being gay including lesbianism, <laughs> which is who I think this is better aimed at. <laughs> but thank you so much for this gift. I'm going to plant this. Oh, good, great. What does it grow? Avocados? That's an artichoke. Artichokes? <laughs> it grows artichokes. Okay. What would you think of the documentary? All right, we're talking about Lula Rich. Okay, <laughs> let me preface this by saying I will probably watch it three more times because I will watch anything that anyone makes about Lula Rowe. Just hook it up to my veins. Because you gave one of the all-time best rants in the history of Love It or Leave It was Emily yelling <laughs> at the state of Texas about something I had never heard of, which was LuLaRoe. LuLaRoe, an MLM that sells leggings. I'm obsessed with all MLMs. I'm obsessed with content about them. What I should say is that while I enjoy LuLaRich, as an avid consumer of MLM media, I was so frustrated with what they left out of that documentary because they spent a lot of time talking about all of the weird details about LuLaRoe that were specific to LuLaRoe. The moldy leggings, the incest, uh, that guy who doesn't know who Katy Perry is. Like, they found a story there that was maybe not the right story. It tells that story, too, by interviewing a bunch of people who got rich off LuLaRoe and I think you could walk away from watching it and think like, oh, the problem is they were just too successful. They grew too fast. If they hadn't grown so fast and they wouldn't have left those leggings outside, there never would have been a problem. And people would have gone on and made money off of them. And it's just that this one MLM is weird and there's nothing wrong with MLMs in general. And the founders of LuLaRoe got way more screen time than The Economist who is explaining to you how MLMs in general cannot make money for most of the people involved. They barely talked to any of the tens of thousands of women who torched their social lives for LuLaRoe only to go bankrupt. 
And here's the thing about MLMs. Like, yes, some of them have individual interesting stories to them. Some of them have weird mold and incest and, you know, weird ideas about gender, and some of them don't. But every MLM is a pyramid scheme. LuLaRoe is one of hundreds of companies that operate with the exact same exploitative and economically impossible business model. And it's a business model that should be illegal. And the only reason it isn't illegal is because of an FTC ruling from 1979 concerning Amway, a ruling that was decided seven days after Jay Van Andel and Richard DeVos of Amway met with President Gerald Ford, who is, like them, a native of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So when they say in Lula Follow Rich... Follow the money, people. Cooley Bono. <laughs> it all starts with Gerald Ford. Here's the thing. If we hadn't gotten Nixon in all that trouble, none of this would be happening. A, a lesson about persecuting heroes. <laughs> <laughs> so my problem is, Lula Rich is a compelling documentary, but it does not contextualize Lula Rowe in the company that it keeps, which is hundreds of other MLMs that all don't work, not just because the leggings were moldy or that guy married his sister or whatever. It is extraordinary to see a four-part documentary, which I enjoyed a great deal, <laughs> Introduce the idea that two of their children married each other does not come up again. Do you know how fucked up your business has to be that that's an aside early on in the documentary that is not worth mentioning again? They say it in passing like, it was fine. You was it, you creeps? <laughs> they know that that's weird and they brought it up so early so we wouldn't be thinking about all the other shit that they're doing wrong. <laughs> they just want us to sit there and be like, wait, but they aren't blood related, right? Like, just for the rest of the four hours. Now, I did want to ask if you saw any similarities between this scam and the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, which has also been in the news. Which is also something I would consume 15 documentaries about. <laughs> There's no I'm limit. I'm currently listening to every podcast about Elizabeth Holmes that there is. I would say, I mean, the one thing that I do think they have in common is they're both companies that said, like, um, we've never done this before. Um... <laughs> I've never worked in this industry, but I also have an idea that is about how to run it better than anyone else who's ever worked in it. And you should trust me on what it is, even though I'm not going to tell you. That's the one thing they have in common. LuLaRoe didn't, didn't say it in that tone of voice. but uh... <laughs> You know, I saw Elizabeth Holmes at a party once, and she was like, this story is like, it, like this Wall Street Journal report is genuinely nonsense, and the truth will come out. And once it does, people are going to be shocked by how we were so mistreated because what we're doing at Theranos is, like, extraordinary and is going to change lives. And no reporter at the Wall Street Journal is going to stop us from doing what we're going to do, which is revolutionize blood stuff. <laughs> first they, they hate you, then you change the world. Yeah, that's how that saying goes. It's first they hate you, and then you change the world. Uh, live, laugh, love. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a bad day on the golf course is better than a good day at work. <laughs> and um, it's wine o'clock somewhere. It's old. So, okay, so that's what they have in common. But here's what they don't have in common that is also the reason why Elizabeth Holmes is uh, facing criminal charges and LuLaRoe is still functional, which is that Theranos victimized a bunch of billionaires and LuLaRoe victimizes people who are struggling financially. And that's why Elizabeth Holmes is fucking gonna go to jail and LuLaRoe is just still up and running and ruining people's lives. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing I took away from this, which is that unless you start the MLM, 
It seems terrible. The founders and early adopters do great, and everyone else down the pyramid gets screwed. Yeah, I think that that's true. Part of the reason why MLMs are so successful is because the only people who are visible are the people who are at the top of the pyramid. And that's why people who have like existing fan bases have been successful in MLMs. Tori Spelling and Ian Ziering from 90210 started their own 90210-themed MLM. Uh, Trump had one. One of the sister wives from TLC is in LuLaRoe, and she has her own. Like, If you have a big enough pre-existing fan base, you can make money because you got in early. And that did get me thinking about Uh-oh. one of the largest most ready-to-mobilize fan bases on Earth. I'm a little nervous about how you said and that. And that is fans of Emily's Garden Show. Oh, don't applaud that. Look, look. Gardening is obviously my first calling. My second calling is designing high-quality, affordable leggings with beautiful patterns made of only the finest materials. My fans are discerning, a discerning, powerful group of people who recognize quality when they hear it or when they see it. Oh, oh no. First of all, Emily, please, these smell terrible. Okay, well, they have what I refer to as a custom smell. <laughs> They're supposed to smell like that, and only 3,000 of them do smell like that, so you have to be sure to buy them as soon as I get on Facebook Live. Emily, don't applaud this. This is, don't you see what's happening? <laughs> They smell like a possum gave birth in a crawl space. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what the pattern is supposed to look like. <laughs> um, they're very cute. And for only $24 a month, you can get three pairs as a part of my new venture, Emily's Bargain Show. It's yeah. Emily's Bargain Show for the bargain things you need to know. If you want to buy pants, now's your chance. It's Emily's Bargain Show. That was... Don't reward her for this. That was just the Emily's Garden Show theme song with a few words changed to make it about pants. Yeah, and that's how you mobilize an existing fan base. Can I get a hell or yeah from the crowd? No, it's happening. This is how it happens. I know what you're thinking. If this is where it's launched and you get in very early, you'll make tons of money before the suckers come in later. But that's wrong. Don't think that way, please. Oh, we're playing a little uh, good cop, good cop over here, just getting everyone on board. I wasn't going to let you talk about plants, and I'm definitely not going to let you sell your cheap, stinky leggings to these people. They've already been through enough. Did you see the Kirsten Cinema segment? Look, John, I'm not going to sell these leggings to these people. They are going to sell them. They are. Can, can someone, is there, a, I see a, a, a Heller's Angel in the second row. You want to stand up? Everybody clap. You want some leggings? What's happening? Yeah. You can Venmo me for that. Is this legal? Do not pay her. Don't pay Emily for this. Listen, I believe in you. I think you can sell those for $1 more than you paid me (laughs) and make me very rich. I mean, and also yourself. Uh, And remember, they're not your friends. They're your customers. (laughs) No. Wow, Emily, I'll tell you this. You really are a girl boss. That is what I've been telling you from the get-go. Emily Heller, everybody. Make sure all your pots have drainage holes. Thank you. Good night. One more time for Emily Heller. 
And I know you're thinking that if you're the first people in on Emily's bargain show, you'll become fabulously rich while working at home to the point where you can have your spouse retire and help you with the business long before it collapses into the weight of the impossible economics of an MLM. But before we go, let's check in one more time with our audience correspondent, Brian Semmel. Brian's out there. Uh, I can't see. I'm going to come over here, see if I can see a little bit better. Uh, who do we have here? This is Tony. Hi, Tony. Hi, John. Uh, have you ever fallen for a, a giant scam exploiting your hopes for a better life? Yes. Wow. <laughs> that was a quick response. Thank you. Uh, that, that makes you uh, embarrassing to me. I don't want to know you anymore. Thank you, John. I'm just kidding. No, stay with Tony. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. Uh, uh, Tony. Yes. Have you ever actually fallen for a scam or are you just being a good audience member? A little bit of a scam. You did fall for a real scam? Yes. Wow. Tell us about it. It was one of those uh, lose weight real quick things and pyramid scheme all the way down. <laughs> Can I just, I'm sorry. Did you want to lose weight or did you want to make money tricking other people into thinking they could lose weight? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> Bisexual Awareness Day. <laughs> Let's go to somebody else, Brian. Tony makes me sick. Who do we have here? Annabelle. Annabelle. Like the creepy doll, yes. Like the creepy me. doll. Okay. Where are you from? I'm from Boyle Heights, East LA. Like East LA. Away. Yeah. And um, how do you think the show's going? What, too long a pause. Move on. Move on. Next. Brian, get out of there. Get out of there. Please hurry. Hi. Hi. What's your name? Jennifer. Jennifer? Yeah. You, are you, can you quickly respond when I ask the question, are you enjoying the show? I am loving the show. That's exactly what, that's what you're supposed to say. Uh, where are you from, Jennifer? I'm from Los Angeles also. Wow. I can pretend like I'm from somewhere else if you wanted, like... I don't want you to lie. <laughs> I'm not trying to get you to lie. I'm trying to make something good out of the truth. Okay, then, yeah, I'm from Los Angeles. <laughs> What's your favorite protein? Um, steak. Steak? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I like steak, too. I think this went great. All right, when we come back, the rant wheel. And we're back! Now it is time for the rant wheel. You know how it works. We spin the wheel and rant about the topic. Let's welcome back Emily and Kylie for the rant wheel. You know how it works. All right, we spin the wheel wherever it lands. We rant about the topic. This week on the wheel, we have RuPaul's Drag Race, Boosters, Instagram, Harry Potter prequels, Kirsten Cinema, The Zombie Apocalypse, Banks Tweeting Like Wendy's, and Dairy. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on Banks tweeting like Wendy's, suggested by Kylie. Okay, that's me. <laughs> um, I have some gripes with Banks who are pretending to be my friend. They're not my friend. You are a financial institution designed to lend me money. If you were my friend, you would have picked me up from the airport, but you did not, bank. You did not. Um, I was recently living in New York, and in the subways, there was this like bank startup app thing that had all these ads. They were tweeting, essentially, like in the ads. Like they were like, 
Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Nobody at all. Nobody. Banks. Free pen. And I'm like, fuck you. I don't care. Is that supposed to be a dig on banks? Because I'll take a free pen. I'm not mad. I don't care about whatever new bank this is. I also should disclose that I'm part of the problem. Because in the year 2015, I worked for an unnamed bank startup that was doing payday loans. And my job was to respond to all the Facebook comments. And they specifically told me to tweet or to respond like the Wendy's Twitter. And (laughs) so uh, without naming the bank, because I don't want to be sued, I don't Mm -hmm. have any money. Their big claim was like, it's payday loans with no interest. And people kept responding on the comments and they're like, why did I just get charged $75? I overdrafted. I don't have any money. And my job was to respond to every single comment and go, um, maybe don't eat so many waffles. (laughs) That is so dark. That is such a dark trying to break into comedy job. (laughs) (laughs) I was in a different place. (laughs) It was $15 an hour in a time that $15 an hour was a big deal. (laughs) Stop trying to be my friend. You are a bank. Just give me the money and stop doing the 2008 housing crisis. Just stop it. Do something else. Get a hobby. I do. um, I do think that the good social media voices become the voice that all the other companies steal. Like, it's only a matter of time for all the banks sound like Steakums, you know? <laughs> it's Steakums is what's next. Wendy's is very 2013. What's next is they're all going to be existential philosophers like yeah. Steakums. You fucking yeah. watch. You watch. They're going to become You're very be like, sophisticated. You want to work for the Chick-fil-A Twitter account? How much Nietzsche have you read? <laughs> <laughs> Let's spin it again. It has landed on RuPaul's Drag Race. Here's what I'd like to say about RuPaul's Drag Race. I love it. (laughs) I love it so much. It is one of the greatest shows ever made. When I leave here, I will go home, and I will watch several episodes of it until my eyes are barely able to stay open. I would jump in front of a bus for Jinx Monsoon. A literal bus. Didn't you just start watching it like a month ago? I started watching it a month ago. (laughs) And here's the reason I wanted to talk about this. I genuinely believe it is built in, baked in cultural homophobia that no one told me that this was not just good, but perhaps the greatest show ever fucking made. I do not understand why we're talking about Survivor when RuPaul's Drag Race was fucking out there. And also, it is very hard for me to be in the position I currently am in, which is watching six- or seven-year-old episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race, afraid to tweet about it because Twitter is filled with psychotic, broken-brained social media zombies who will spoil me instantly. And so I, all I want to do is to get into a time machine and participate in the fun online culture around the time that these episodes aired. But that is not available to me. Why? Why is it not? Because of homophobia. Because not enough people told me about this at the time. 
No one told me how good it was. I fucking love it, and I am alone in it. All I want to do is talk to the internet about RuPaul's Drag Race, but then people respond with names of people I haven't met yet. John, can I say two things? Please. Number one, you said no one told you about this. This weekend, RuPaul broke the record by becoming the most Emmy-awarded person of color in history. And number two... I haven't watched it. Should I start so we can text? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Emily, please start watching it so that we can text. I am here for you. You don't even know who Raja is. <laughs> if I saw Raja, I would fucking die. <laughs> Let's spin it again. It has landed on Kirsten Cinema, suggested by... Emily Heller. <laughs> wow, plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually have that much to say about this one. I just want to say every time I go on Twitter and look up her name to try and see people talking shit about her, it thinks I just don't know how to spell movies. <laughs> it just thinks I'm the dumbest movie buff of all time, and it shows me a bunch of shit about the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I do not give a shit about. That was a, that one was tight, uh, and I will I will add two points. Point number one, I actually the reason we are at this Cine Lounge outdoor theaters is because Ronan and I came here and watched the movie Old, but it was impossible to find a place to watch the movie Old outside because when you Google Old movie outside, they just want to show you Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> so that's something about algorithms, probably a niche problem, grand scheme of things. A friend of mine had a TV show come out and it got a bad review and I tried to tell him, don't worry about critics, they're eunuchs at the orgy, an old saying. But I couldn't figure out how to spell eunuchs because my guess was Y-U-N-I-K-S and no one could help me get from there to E-U-C-H-U. What are we doing here? Do you ever try to do just, like, voice-to-text and then see what it says? I should try that. <laughs> I should try that. Kylie, what do you think of the show? Of this show? Like, like as an idea. <laughs> like, as a, as, a, as a format. Here's the thing. I'm having a blast. <laughs> Are you guys having a blast? <laughs> and that, folks, is what we call pandering. <laughs> I'm a fan of Kylie. I'm so glad she's here. Let's spin it again. <laughs> What you did there was you realized what he really needed was reassurance. Yeah. And you gave it yeah. to him. And you know what? I'm a doctor. It has landed on dairy. Was it suggested by you, Kylie? This was me. Here's the thing. My gripe with dairy, I will admit, is personal. <laughs> it's a highly personal issue that has happened to me recently. Mm-hmm. And... Without getting too graphic, I can't digest it. I don't know if we have any other lactose intolerant heads in the house. I mean, this stage is like all Jews right now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm super wasp, but I didn't, I, I can't do it. Loud. That's the ambulance t- trying to take you to the hospital for diarrhea. <laughs> because they know, they know that I tried to make charcuterie earlier, and they know that I ate the cheese anyway because I can't cook. My problem with dairy is that it is a food made for babies. 
infants can digest this food. This is something that babies can do. And I can't do it. I pay taxes. <laughs> and I can't do the same thing that they can do. It's infuriating because I was raised on the Got Milk campaign. And it was all those hot girls drinking milk all the time. And now I can't do that? What is 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 that? And that's all I have to say about that. Give it up for Kylie and her dairy um, relationship. I have a... Do you remember there was this, like, tabloid story uh, in New York about, like, a couple where there was some kind of acid thrown in one of the members' faces, but they stayed together? They had that kind of crazy love. I think they made, like, a six-part documentary about it at some point. Like... They, like, fell in love, then they hated each other. Then there was, like, a violent altercation and a trial, but they stayed together after. Like, and I think it was something called, at some point, crazy love. That's my relationship with dairy. And I'm never going to leave. No, That's I'm never going to leave. Dairy has to leave stop. me. No, I can't stop. I can't stop. Dairy's got a hold on me. Should we spin it one more time? Let's spin it one more time. It has landed on the zombie apocalypse. I'd rather talk about Susan Collins. Please. I have one thing to say about the zombie apocalypse, which is like there was like 10 years ago when everyone was talking about what they would do in that kind of apocalyptic situation. Guess what? We're in it. It turns out everyone's just going to pretend it's not happening <laughs> and that there's nothing you can possibly do about the zombies. Okay. But let's talk about Susan Collins. Susan Collins, who is supposedly pro-choice, has said that she will not support a Democratic bill to codify Roe. She claims she has some reason that's unrelated to abortion, and sure, whatever. It was reported that Susan Collins, who's pro-choice, blah, blah, blah. I just want to know, when do we get to stop referring to her as pro-choice? She voted to confirm Kavanaugh and Barrett and a shitload of other Trump-appointed judges how had she successfully branded herself as pro-choice? It's like, okay, in the past, Robert Durst owned a health food store. <laughs> but that's pretty low on my list of ways I describe Robert Durst. <laughs> right? I really don't associate his name with bodily health anymore because of the actions that he took that betray those values. So why are we still talking about Susan Collins like she's pro-choice? And why is the narrative around her always disappointment? Why are we expecting good things from her? What did she do that I'm missing that has now let us down? Every single time people call her a hypocrite, I feel like I'm being pranked. Like, she's a consistent person. Like, I know when you're a kid and your parents say, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed, that, like, the disappointment is worse than the anger, but I don't think that applies to senators. <laughs> Let's just get mad at her and see if that works instead. <laughs> when we come back, the high note. <laughs> and we're back because we all need it this week. Here it is, the high note. Hi, love it. This is Amanda from Washington, D.C. And my high note for the week is that my best friend, Sarah, um, helped me pack last night. I recently joined the Foreign Service, so I will be deploying soon. Uh, Sarah's a longtime listener and attendee of your live show. And she has been a rock throughout COVID for me. And I'm definitely going to miss 
our hangout sessions where we listen to your show and almost choke on our pizza. So thanks again for all that you do, and we'll keep listening. Hey, love it. Uh, this is Tad in Los Angeles, California, and my high note of the week is that this Sunday, September 26th, I will be officially 15 years in remission from stage four lymphoma. I'll never forget the day I had to be brought in to the oncologist's office in a wheelchair because I was so weak. And the doctor said, okay, you've got two opportunities. You can either go home and wait for your insurance to clear this, but you'll probably die before then. So I'm taking you to the emergency room now because you've got three days to live. And here I am, 15 years later, kicking and screaming and kicking ass. Life is so incredibly beautiful, and I feel so grateful to still be here. Uh, and one of the other things I'm so grateful for is your podcast. Love it. Listen to you every Saturday. Thanks for uplifting us all with your work and these amazing high notes every week. Thank you. Cheers. Hi, John. This is Joya calling from Baltimore, Maryland. I am beyond ecstatic because the day before yesterday was my birthday. And then yesterday, I got proposed to by my best friend. Um, he and I have been friends for seven years now. And I just can't wait to spend the rest of my life with him. We bonded over a political debate during our freshman year of college. And now we get to bond over all the debates to come. Thank you so much for providing this levity every week. It means a lot. Bye. Hi, love it. Uh, this is Katie from Chicago. Big fan. Um, and I just wanted to share my high point of the week, which was that I got to take a shower for the first time in nine months. In 2020, December 2020, I was diagnosed with kidney failure. And they put a dialysis catheter into my chest. And the number one instruction that every doctor told me was that under no circumstances could I get even a drop of water on it, which meant that I, at the age of 28, was confined to baths and sponge baths. Very uncomfortable. But this week, I switched to a different type of dialysis, and they finally took that catheter out of my chest. And I got to take a shower. It was just the best feeling in the world. And it just reminded me that little things can actually be really, really big for everybody else. Remember to take the little things and uh, appreciate them. So that's it. Thanks. Bye. Thanks to everybody who called in. If you want to leave us a message about something that gave you hope, you can call us at 213-262-4427. And that's our show. Thank you to Rory O'Malley, Kylie Brakeman, Emily Heller, and everybody who called in. Thank you to Hallie Kiefer and Kendra James and Brian Semmel and Justin Howe and Kyle and Nar and Matt DeGroote and Jesse and Ari Schwartz and Milo and everybody on the Cricket team. It was really fucking hard to put this show together. Guys, give it up for Emily and Kylie. Seriously, everybody at Crooked had to work so hard to figure out a way to put this show up. So give it up for everybody at Crooked who made this show happen. They did an incredible job. There are 408 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Have a great weekend, and I will see you next week. Bye, everybody.
Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett and Lee Eisenberg. Kendra James is our senior producer. Hallie Keeper is our head writer. Jocelyn Kaufman, Pallavi Ganalan, and Peter Miller are the writers. Our associate producer is Brian Semmel. Bill Lance is our editor. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Marissa Meyer, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Narmel Konian and Milo Kim, Mia Kelman, and Matt DeGroote for filming and editing video each week so you can. At Founders Brewing Company, we set out to create a beer that lets you embrace the unconventional. Mortal Bloom is a radiantly beautiful, hazy IPA that will wrap your taste buds with intense citrus and tropical notes of pineapple and mango. Coming in at 6.2% ABV with big aromatics and no bitterness, it's the perfect beer, if we do say so ourselves. Visit foundersbrewing.com to find Mortal Bloom Hazy IPA.